this is my guru, His Holiness Gerinar Swami, um, by whose grace and guidance I'm here. And this is His Guru, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, by whose grace and guidance we're all here, um, and who also wrote or translated and compiled all of the main scriptures that we read as Hare Krishnas. Um, and so uh, teachers are highly revered in our tradition and so before we speak or say anything about the philosophy we say this prayer and it goes and the English of that is I was born into the darkest of ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge, and I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Um, because if you think about it, we need a teacher for anything in this world. I mean, we go to school, and we learn math from our teachers, and if you want to become a doctor, um, you have to learn from other doctors. You don't just read a book and then perform surgery on someone. What to speak of spiritual life, which is of the utmost importance, we need teachers um, who have also been taught by their teachers like that. Um, so teachers are important in our tradition. Um, so my name again is Rinda Priya Devidasi, and if you've known Chandra for some time, you'll know that his full name is Nityananda Chandra Das. And if you've known Krishna Mangala for some time, you'll know that her full name is Krishna Mangala Dasi. So why do we all have this das, dasi at the end of our names? Um, it means servant. So das is the masculine um, form and dasi is the feminine form. And we all have these words, das and dasi, at the end of our names because we're all actually servants. Um, it's described that that is our constitutional position. And when we say constitutional position, what we mean is it's a quality in us that can never change or be taken away. Um, everybody is serving someone. Um, you're serving your boss, or you're serving your child, or you're serving your parents, um, or if you don't have anyone to serve, then you buy a pet and you serve your pet. So everybody is serving someone. Um, and actually the most fundamental need of Hare Krishna, of, um, of the spirit soul of the person is to love and be loved. You were talking a lot about love. And so we express our love through service. Love has to go through something, just like electricity has to have a channel or a medium, like the wire. And so service is like the medium for love. Um, and so service is our relationship to God or Krishna. Um, and we are, so speaking about our constitutional position, another few Sanskrit words used to describe our constitutional position are sat, chit, and ananda. And so sat means eternal, um, chit means full of knowledge, and ananda means full of bliss. So that is who we are as spirit souls, and we are also described as part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, known as Krishna. Krishna is um, the name that we often use for God. He has so many unlimited names. And 
In different traditions, God has so many names also, which are just as, as good. But we use the name Krishna because of the I got a spider on me. I got to take it. I know. Because the word Krishna means all attractive, and um, and God has to be all attractive. He's the supreme, perfect person. Um, so we are eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss. We are part and parcel of Krishna. And there's another expression in Sanskrit that's achintya beda abeda tattva. And that is a concept. It's simultaneous oneness and difference. So the analogy is um, like a drop of water from the ocean. In quality, that drop of water is the same as the ocean, right? It has the same molecules. It's got H2O and some salt and minerals. But in quantity, that drop of water is very, very different. So in quality, we are the same as God. We are such ananda, we are eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. And all of the qualities that God has in full, we have in a small portion. So we're the same in quality, but we're different in quantity. Um, but something happened because we used to be in the kingdom of God, in the spiritual world, and obviously we are not there anymore. This is quite a different place. Um, and so what happened was, when we are in the spiritual world, everyone's in harmony. It's a lot like the place you're describing. Everyone's working together and happy, and there's so much love. Um, we decided that we wanted to try to enjoy separately from God. And that's problematic because we're part and parcel of God, like I said. And the, the part is meant to serve the whole, just like my hand is a part of my body. And... Um, it's meant to serve the stomach, right? The hand can't eat independently of the stomach. And so there's like, a, not a proverb, but like a story to illustrate this point that one day the body parts all got together and decided, why are we all feeding the stomach? Why should the stomach get to enjoy all the food? We're gonna go on strike. And they didn't work together to feed the stomach anymore. And naturally the body became weak. Um, so they decided, okay, it was good when we were feeding the stomach, and so they fed the stomach again, and the stomach distributed all the nutrients. Um, so like that, we're meant to serve God, and when we're serving God, um, we are also happy. Another analogy is, um, if you want to nourish a plant, then you water the root of the plant, and then from the root, the root system distributes all of that nourishment to all the different parts of the plant. You don't have to water each leaf individually. And when the leaf is connected to the plant, it gets everything it needs. But as soon as the leaf falls off of the plant and is separated from its um, source of nutrients, then it dies. So we came to this material world because we wanted to enjoy separately. And there's no room for that sort of impurity in the kingdom of God because that's a place meant for service to God. And um, God doesn't hold us hostage and say, you know, you have to stay here because he's very kind and just wants us to be happy. So he provides this place for us to come and kind of test it out. What's it like if I want to play God? And, um, and it could have been something as simple as, you know, coming across a flower and just having this thought, what if I smelled this flower before I offered it to the Lord, you know? And that is... An impurity, and so this place is kind of like 
a prison in a way because the prison is the prison system is meant um, for rectification, right? I mean, you're meant to hopefully become rectified and then get out of the prison. Um, and prison can sound like a bit of a harsh word, but actually there are harsher words used to describe the material world in our scriptures. A couple of them are Tukalai and Mashashvatam, a place that's temporary and full of misery. Um, so the good news is that everybody here is very special and very fortunate because we're just starting to come out of our coma, kind of like we've been in this material world, it's described, we've been here for unlimited lifetimes practically, we've been here for so long and everyone is searching for happiness because that's our constitutional position, it's our birthright to be happy and the highest expression of happiness is love. But coming here, it's a little bit like oil and water. It doesn't really mix because we're eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss, and we're in this place that's temporary and full of misery. So what happens is we kind of try to enjoy here and try to be happy. We always think that happiness is just around the corner. And then we turn the corner, and there's no happiness. So we think, oh, it's just around the next corner. That's okay. But then we turn the corner, and again, there's no happiness. And eventually, we come full circle, and we're back to the first place that we were, and we're like, where the heck is the happiness? <laughs> Have you guys ever experienced that? You think that you're going to be happy by doing something, and you do it, and you're like, that didn't really do it for me. And some people can go for so many lifetimes just turning around the same building. Or then maybe they think, okay, I have to jump to this building. I got it now. I was at the wrong building. The, the corner is it's this corner at this building. But I imagine you're all here because you're starting to realize that it's not a matter of which building or which corner. Something feels uncomfortable. There's something missing. Um, I know when I was looking for, um, I was searching for something when I was in high school, I felt like there has to be more to life, you know? My friends were going out and they were partying. I didn't really see the allure, you know? Um, and then I came to Krishna consciousness and I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Um, because we are made for love like I said, and it's so amazing that you came and spoke about your experience because I was going to talk about love pretty much. That's like my favorite thing to talk about. It's, I mean, everybody is just starving for love. Like, and when you, when you meet somebody who has been in such a loving environment, you can tell. It's like a flower that's just getting tons of sunshine and tons of water She's thriving, and she's like radiating all over the room, you know? Um, but we've been in this material world for so long, and we've been, we don't have love. We had pure love of God, and when you come into the material world, it's mixed with the mode of passion, and it becomes lust. And by the way, you'll hear this word lust a lot in our um, teachings, and it's not quite exactly the connotation that you hear in the normal world out there, lust is associated with like promiscuity, and of course that's, that is lust too, but the basic definition in our philosophy is lust means for me, and love means for Krishna. 
So again, going back to the idea of trying to enjoy separately from Krishna, that's lust, and trying to enjoy, because there's nothing wrong with enjoyment when it's um, for the right purpose and the right person and the right reason. So love is enjoying in connection with Krishna. Yoga, this word yoga, like the word yoke means to connect. And so the purpose of yoga, I'm sure they talked about this in your um, training, the purpose of yoga is to connect back with Krishna. Um, so now that we've come here, now that we've realized that we actually are made for love and we want real love and we don't want these cheap substitutes for love that haven't been making us happy, that actually make us more miserable, now what? Um, and so one of our teachers all these pictures of all my teachers. Actually, I think it's in the bag. That's okay. Um, his name is Bhakti Tirtha Swami, and he writes a lot of books about love that are incredible. And he calls this life a school of love. Because love actually is not, it's simple in one sense, but it's very profound. It's not a very easy thing to realize or understand. If you go to the movies, you might see, you know, a uh, a rom-com with people falling in love, but there are a lot of layers, right? I saw this one romantic comedy and uh, one of the lovers said to the other, oh, I just love you so much. I couldn't bear living without you. If we die, I hope I die first so I don't have to like experience life without you. And everyone's like, oh, it's so sweet. And I thought that's actually really selfish. <laughs> You're like leaving this other person behind to feel sad. You know, people think that's so romantic. So what is love, actually? And you already said it. I'm so glad you spoke. Love is unconditional. And it said that, um, and that's a really tough thing to even grapple with in this world because we have so many conditions on our love. But it said that the best example that you can find in this world of real unconditional love is the love of um, a mother for her child because that's really like next level <laughs> like you're not sleeping for a few years you know you're not even concerned with eating yourself you're feeding your child and completely taking care of your child and that's the most that's the closest thing we can see in this world to, to love so love is unconditional, and to be unconditional, um, love has to be tested. Because if you can say with words, oh, I love you unconditionally, but then something difficult comes along and you think, oh, forget that. I don't really love you anymore. <laughs> this is too hard. Um, so the... We said that um, that watering the plant is what's going to nourish the whole, watering the root is what's going to nourish the whole plant. So the supreme and perfect object of our love is God, Krishna. And so the goal and the solution to our suffering is to try to work our way back to loving Krishna. So, okay, how do we love Krishna? Well, first we have to know about Krishna. And that's why a lot, most, all of our literatures are dedicated to just teaching about Krishna. Who is Krishna? Who is God? And describing him. Because it's 
not possible to love someone you don't know. And that was something I struggled with a little bit in the Christian church. I grew up Christian. Our parents took us to church sometimes. And um, actually, what I love about Krishna consciousness is that it's not sectarian. You can be any religion and, and come and you'll be welcomed. And Krishna consciousness will support you and your own faith. So I don't want to bash any religion. That's not what I'm saying. But um, I felt like there was not so much information about God in the Christian church. People would say, Jesus loves you. But I didn't feel like people really knew Jesus or God so well. And I thought, well, that's a nice sentiment. You know, God loves me, Jesus loves me, but what about loving God? What about loving Jesus? You know, we, I have to know more about them. And there's a lot of information about God, about Krishna in our philosophy. And because Krishna is all attractive, it's not so hard to come to love him once you know about him. I mean, when you hear the stories and when you hear the pastimes, um, they're so beautiful. They're so, I mean, they attract the mind, you know? Um, but one obstacle to loving Krishna can be our impurities. And it's described like iron filaments will be attracted to a magnet unless the iron is really, really, really dirty and covered with rust and all that kind of, then the connection is not so much. So that's another reason why um, we practice ways to purify ourselves as aspiring um, devotees and lovers of God, because the more we can purify our heart, the more easily our heart will be attracted to God. And then we can be in this um, loving relationship and kind of be in our element again of love, in the arena of love. Um, so love is unconditional. Love can't be unconditional unless it's tested. And so those tests will come. Um, it's said that when we came from the spiritual world to the material world, it's like we turned away from Krishna. And Krishna is a person, and so, um, like I said, he's not going to hold us hostage because one important ingredient to love is it has to be voluntary. But it kind of hurts when somebody turns, someone you love turns away from you. So there's another word and another person you'll hear about if you're studying the philosophy, and that person is called Maya. And there are different kinds of Maya, but the main one when you hear Maya, usually it refers to Mahamaya. And Mahamaya is described as a force that pulls us away from Krishna. And a lot of the times, um, she's described in kind of strong words, like, um, you know, oh, Maya Devi is like, the enemy coming to Krishna consciousness means declaring war on Maya. And, um, and it's, I mean, it's a term that our teacher, Srila Prabhupada, uses, declare war on Maya. But another way to think about it is that Maya is a servant of Krishna and one who loves Krishna very dearly. And so when we say, like, oh, I want to come back to God now, I want to come back to Krishna, like, did my time, I'm ready to be happy again, Maya's kind of like, okay, hold your horses there. Like, you hurt Krishna once. Um, who's to say you're not going to just hurt Krishna again? 
And so she gives us tests. How sincere are you really in coming back to God and loving God again? So, yes. And the course I learned that the translation of Maya is illusion. Mm-hmm. Yes. So would that also be just the material world in general that you're speaking about? Like this entity that gives us tests and trials, is this the materialistic world in which... Yeah, I would say the material world is illusion insofar as when you're watching a movie and you feel really sad because something sad happens in the movie, um, that's an illusion. Now, the movie is real. The material world is very much real. But our connection, our ego connection with the movie is not real. Like, I'm not the person in the movie who's suffering. So I'm not this body, I'm not really of this world, you know. So in that sense, yes, it's illusion. And also the tests, yeah, it's about our ego and our, um, our ignorance, yeah. Um, and so those tests are meant to strengthen us, not to discourage us. But oftentimes we get discouraged. Why would God do this to me? Um, why am I suffering like this? Even after coming to spiritual life, you may think like that. Um, so what has been inspiring for me in my journey of trying to work my way back to God and love God is to see those tests as opportunities to prove to Krishna that my love is unconditional, that I really do want to come back. Um, so another thing about love is that it's not always pleasing to the senses. Um, you know, we're talking about love, and I'll have you all do a little exercise later, but love is not always pleasing to the senses, and it's not, it's not always expressed in the same way to every single person. Welcome. Hi, um, So, for example, a mother, I'm using the example of a mother a lot, you inspired me to talk about. Others. Um, what about us fathers? Fathers too. Thank I'm you. I'm so father. sorry. Mothers or fathers, <laughs> equal uh, opportunity. Um, okay, so a father in this and grandfather and grandfather and grandmothers and uncles and aunts. Um, so say a father gives um, medicine to his child because the child is sick. The medicine might be very bitter. And a child might think, why do you hate me? <laughs> why are you doing this to me? This is horrible. I'm going to die. This is poison. But <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we all thought like that. I mean, I can't really eat anything grape flavored because of my <laughs> trauma with medicines. But, um, but that's an expression of love from the father to the child. So we can see that love is not always pleasing to the senses. And that's a really important understanding when you're trying to be a loving person, that um, sometimes we can delude even ourselves. We've been so long without real love that we forgot what it looks like. And we might see something really superficial and think, oh, I'm in love, you know, that's love, when actually it's really just lust. What was the definition of lust again? For us. For me. And love is? For Krishna. Right, exactly. Um, so there's a story that I would like to tell in this connection, but I need a very specific book. Do you have um, the Radharani book? Yeah. Okay, you guys are gonna adore this story. Guarantee it, money back guarantee. <laughs> How much did you pay to get in here? <laughs> um, you'll get it all back. 
<laughs> um, just kidding, it's free. Um, <laughs> um, so while he's getting the book, I'll tell you guys a verse, and I won't quote it perfectly because I'm not like a Sanskrit scholar or anything. But um, you guys, have, raise your hand if you've heard of the gopis. Okay, so we're about to read a story about the gopis, and gopi means cowherd girl. And so I said, Krishna is a person, God is a person. It can be a little bit difficult to understand because we think of people as very limited, but God is unlimited. His body is not like a material body. His body is made of satchit ananda, eternity, knowledge, and bliss. So he is a person, though, and he has feelings and you know, favorite things to eat and pastimes and friends and family. And so the gopis are some of the best devotees of Krishna and devotees of God. And they, and they are the best because their love is so completely unconditional and their love is so pure and they're only thinking of how to please uh, Krishna. To the point where when they think of Krishna, their eyes well up with tears of love and they curse the tears because it obscures their vision of Krishna. I mean, that's like the level of their devotion. It's really far out. And so, um, so there's a verse where one gopi is saying, don't go see Krishna yeah. on the bank of, what is it, Kishi Yeah. You'll see him and you'll fall in love, and then you'll forget everything. You'll forget your friends, you'll forget your family, and when difficulties come, you, you won't even be able to, to deal with them because you'll just be so focused on Krishna. So that's basically that verse is like, it's saying don't go see Krishna, but it's an encouragement like God is such an amazing person that when you see him, everything else kind of falls away. So this is one of my favorite, 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 favorite stories. And let me locate it just one sec. You guys kind of have some idea of who the gopis are, right? Does anyone feel like they need more explanation? Okay. Um, so this story is called The Glories of the Gopis' Love for Krishna. Um, basically, there are different characters in this book, but the main ones are Krishna, God, and Narada Muni. Um, he's like a... a Spaceman. He's a, a devotee, a servant of God who can, who has the power to go to every planet. Um, and different demigods are there, and then the gopis also are kind of the main characters. They come in at the end. So it says, once Narada Muni went to Dwarka to meet with Sri Krishna. There he found Krishna suffering from a headache. Krishna told Narada, Devarishi, today I am suffering from a severe headache, and if I do not get the proper medicine before sunset, then my life will be at risk. Sometimes Krishna kind of plays these jokes and arranges these pastimes to prove a certain point. So Narada became worried to hear this, and he asked Krishna, My Lord, please tell me what kind of medicine you need to be cured. However difficult it may be, I will get that medicine for you. Krishna said, I need the dust from the lotus feet of my devotees. 
Now, have you guys ever considered taking dust or dirt from your feet and putting it on the head of one of your friends? <laughs> no? Why not? We associate that with this, yeah. dirty. It's filthy. dirty and it would be like an insult, right? Yes. Yeah, so Krishna is saying the only thing that's going to cure my headache is if I get the dirt <laughs> from the feet of my devotees. This is how much Krishna loves his devotees. On his head. On his head, yeah. <laughs> he says, if I put this dust on my head, then I'll be cured. Narada said, Dear Krishna, this is no difficulty at all. You have unlimited devotees all over the unlimited universes. Confident of the ease of his mission, Narada Muni went straight to Krishna's queen, Rukmini Devi, and informed her of Krishna's request. Narada said, Krishna is suffering from a headache, and the only cure is the dust from the lotus feet of his devotee. Please, Varkeshwari, that's another name for this character, Rukmini, immediately give me the dust from your feet, and I shall return to Krishna at once. Rukmini replied, O oh, Narada, it is a matter of great concern that our husband is suffering from a headache, but how can I give the dust of my feet to put on the head of my husband? This is a dharma, irreligion. He is my lord. I cannot give the dust of my feet to put on my lord's head. Okay, so pretty normal reaction, right? You would probably react that way, right? Like, I'm not going to put the dust of my feet on someone's head. I will suffer in hell if even one particle of dust from my feet touches the head of my Lord Sri Krishna. So Narada Muni goes to a different devotee and same reaction. I'm not going to put the dust of my feet on his head. So he goes because he's the transcendental spaceman to another planet to another devotee and asks and they say, you know, I can't do that. And then he goes back to Krishna. And he was so confident in his mission, like, yeah, I can get this cure, and now he's saying, nobody's going to give the dust of their feet for your head, Krishna. So, then Krishna said, please go to Raja, this is where the gopis live, and tell the gopis of my need. Immediately, Narayamuni went to Vrindavan, and there on the banks of the Yamuna River, he saw Radharani surrounded by her sakis. These are names of some of the gopis. With their faces turned in the direction of Dwarka, they were all crying in separation from their beloved Krishna. When they saw Narada Muni, they became very happy. Wiping the tears from their eyes, they greeted Narada and said, Oh Narada, you must be coming from Dwarka. Please tell us, how is our Pranashri Sri Krishna? Is everything auspicious with him? Narada Muni replied, My Lord Sri Krishna is suffering from a severe headache since early morning. The gopis were immediately alarmed. Oh no, but tell us, how can this be cured? Did he send you here to the forest of Vrindavan to find some medicine? What has Shama asked for? Let us find it for you at once. Narada said, yes, my Lord has said that if he can get the dust from the feet of his devotees, that will be the real medicine for him. But I went to all of the devotees all over the universe and no one agreed to give the dust of their feet. O oh, gopis of Raja, if Krishna does not receive this medicine by sunset, his life will be at risk. So I want you to listen to the gopi's reaction. Srimati Radharani, the principal gopi, said, Oh, Narada, what kind of devotees are we? We're not great devotees of the Lord at all. But still, if he has mercifully considered us his devotees, then immediately we're ready to give the dust of our feet. But how will you carry it? So the gopis are all, okay, 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 take the dust, take it, but how are you going to carry it? Narada said, I will carry it with great devotion. 
Immediately, Radharani collected the dust of her feet and gave it to Narada Muni. Thus, encouraged by their dear most Sakhi, all the gopis then gave the dust of their feet. Narada was very surprised that the gopis so willingly gave their foot dust for Sri Krishna's head. He thought to himself, these are simple cowherd girls who surely do not know the reaction they will incur when the dust of their feet touches the head of Lord Sri Krishna. He's thinking, these are just simple country girls. They're not really educated. They don't really understand the implications of this. He said to the gopis, Dear Vraja Gopikas, are you aware of whom you are giving the dust of your feet to? Lord Sri Krishna is worshipped by all the great demigods like Brahma and Shiva and the great yogis and rishis are meditating on his lotus feet. Even these great personalities did not dare give the dust from their feet for the head of the Lord. They know the reaction is that they must go to hell. Do you know that you will suffer this reaction? With one voice, the gopis replied, Yes, we know of this strange arrangement. If by giving this cure for Krishna's headache, we will have to suffer in hell eternally, then we will happily make this special contract with Yamaraj and go to hell. In exchange, we simply want to see that our most beloved, who is our life's breath, become cured from his headache. His happiness is our life. Our satisfaction is to see Krishna is always happy. We do not know any pleasure other than the pleasure of Sri Krishna. What does it matter if we must go to hell? We have anyway offered our very lives to Krishna. But now we must not waste any more time discussing this. You should go immediately to Dwarka and give this dust to our Krishna. Narvamuni immediately left for Dwarka, carrying the foot dust of the gopis on his head. He was in great ecstasy to be carrying this rare treasure. So if any of you came to, um, to Mother Devaki's talk, I think a couple weeks ago, she spoke about consciousness. Did anyone hear the talk about and how consciousness permeates the whole body? And if someone's consciousness, it can even radiate outside of the body. If you come close to someone with really high consciousness, you feel uplifted. And if you come near someone with a really low consciousness, you kind of feel dragged down. And so Narada Muni is carrying the dust of the gopis on his head. And he was in such ecstasy because their consciousness had permeated this artifact and their consciousness was so pure and loving. So he was feeling great ecstasy when he was carrying it back. He said, when Narada reached Dwarka, Krishna smiled and said, Narada, you have brought the foot dust of the gopis. Now my disease is cured. Just see, Narada, you consider yourself a great devotee of mine. Now Krishna is going to make fun of Narada. Narada, you consider yourself a great devotee of mine. Why could you not have given me the dust from the very beginning? <laughs> However, this has taught you one thing. Now you should know, these gopis of Vrindavan are my greatest devotees. They have given their life to me. So, can you guys understand a little bit why the gopis are considered the greatest devotees of Krishna? Um, okay, so, I'm almost done. I have this, since we're talking about love, and sort of how to distinguish love from lust, um, I have this little exercise. So I basically wrote a scenario on each different card. And so if you can get in groups of two or three, not more than three, then I'll give each group a scenario. And basically you're gonna read this scenario and with your group um, come up with how, basically the question is, how can you express love in that situation? 
Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Go. Find yeah. your group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do the exercise, and then we'll recap as a whole group, and then I have one little tiny last thing to say, and then I'm done. <laughs> okay. Some of them are a little, like, mundane, and some of them are a little deeper, just to, if you get one that's like, mm, what is this, just go with it. Okay. love in this situation and remember that love is not always pleasing to the senses and love means acting in the highest good of the beloved that's, that's just that's one thing that happens but life like, continues to go on so like something else is going to fall in line this is something that needs to make it stronger to look for things that need to make it stronger this is an assumption. I'm assuming that this person is going to walk. So maybe it's like, well, what, 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 what needs are they going to have a car? Right? Like, they're going to walk. Well, the car is what it needs. Yeah, absolutely. This is like a speaking mind. Krishna comes and asks me, I see this person is aware of Krishna, it's Krishna's God. So once you come to that understanding, Krishna is what we're doing that we're faced with because of your understanding of Krishna and the knowledge going on Krishna consciousness, you understand that anything you get put through could be a lot worse than it is now. But because Krishna is so loving and you know what it is, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? No, no. I, I, I think you also just kind of worded what I said. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. This is in that sense. This is saying somebody She said there was going to be that discussion. I was like, yeah, that's that's funny. This is Once you come to the realization, like you're still gonna fall back. Oh, it'll be okay, but then tomorrow you're still gonna get depressed and stuff. Once you have that initial place, okay, how are we doing? Almost ready to share out. Need a couple more minutes, or 
Which group would like to start? So read your scenario, put your teacher voice on, read your scenario, and then explain what your group said. That's first. Okay, Justin's group. Okay, you get in a car accident and can't really afford the repairs or doctor's visit. You wonder why Krishna will put you in this situation. Um, what I think we basically agreed on is every time you come across an enormous struggle like that, you can always take something away from it. So what I said is, you know, he probably thought his finances were really out where his life was messed up. You know, he was already stressed out whenever the accident happened. Then this happened, and he's like, oh my gosh, it's already terrible, and now life can't possibly go on. But once you come to the realization that everything's going to be okay, obviously it's difficult to remind yourself of that in those terrible moments, especially if you're already in a fritz before it. But once you realize it and you put it in his hands, I mean, you gotta, just got to look for future signs and eventually you're going to grow to be a stronger person in the end. Mm-hmm. That and do you guys want to add anything? Or? Can I just add thank yeah. you thank you for that because that just happened to me last year. These are inspired by true events. <laughs> and you're okay, right? Yeah. yeah. It was a lesson. Okay, cool. Right on. Who's next? Okay. Royce and Kim. Got it. Okay. Okay. So okay. So ours was you're supposed to bring food to a company potluck for work. So we decided that um, to show our love um, and to show love in this situation that we would. Uh, cater to the potluck. You would bring our food and we would serve the people first before we served ourselves. But then we also decided that the on the food that we would serve would be food for healing of the people as their medicine instead of just pleasing to their senses as well. So um, we want to bring goodness and love and healing into that. And how do you bring food that's healing to the people? So we decided we were going to serve a vegan um, dishes, healthy food, healthy food. instead of junk, you know, mm-hmm. so instead of fried chicken. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I like it. Vegan, healthy food. And Andrew, what can you do to the food before you give it to? Well, before you do it, you bless it. You uh-huh. ask, you ask Krishna to bless the food, and you serve him first, and then you serve the people. There you go. Perfect. So you give them. There's a word for that. Do you know the word? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the word for when you give food to Krishna first, and then you give it to everyone. Starts with a P. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Okay, who's next? Two groups left. All right. What's your name? Uh, Sterling Lightsilver. Sterling. Yes, nice to meet you. Um, you realize an old friendship you've been maintaining is actually not good for your spiritual growth. Mm, that's tricky. That's something yeah. I'm going through right now. <laughs> uh, I offered my friend uh, space, but I also invited him to the Festival of Joy and other um, festivals like that to maybe see if he's open to it. And then uh, I just realized a couple days ago that I'm going to have to take a step back, but not take him out of my life, but wait till he's ready to have an open mind to a good spiritual life. That's what I've been doing to maintain my friendship in a good, healthy way. That's amazing. 
And, you know, you can still love someone from far away. You can pray for them, too. That's a very powerful way to show, to express your love for someone who you can't be with all the time. Right? Yes. We also added, give them the prasadam. Yes. Yeah. Because it, it, it changes the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, the question was a little difficult for me to relate to because uh, I, I was going to the temple when I was 19. I had all these different friends. But when I became a monk, like, all my old friends just didn't want to be friends anymore. <laughs> like, I didn't have to, like, say, okay, this person's really bad for my life. You know, they're kind of dragging me down. They just didn't want to do anything to me anymore. Same thing happened so, to me. Exactly. You know, so, they say, yeah, spiritual life is like a pyramid. The higher up you go, the kind of yeah. smaller your circle gets. Yeah. Ahead. Actually, our circle gets really big because then we find communities like this, and we have so many... So many people who are good for a spiritual life, but sometimes it can feel like gets a little shrinks. Thank you. So we we had something rather mundane. <laughs> yeah. uh, you need to vacuum your house, but you don't want to. <laughs> so uh, our first reaction was that, well, I just suck it up and do it. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> But George, but then we do it for Krishna. Do it for Krishna. As we as we discussed, yeah. you thought, yeah. well, you know, okay, maybe we might not want to do it, but yeah. what about the people we live with? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have kids, why not? Why not do it for them? Create a nice environment. So get into a mood of service. Uh, yeah, because you know, sometimes I would say that. Doing everything for Krishna, but yeah. I'm, I am more, more motivated to do things for the people I love. Yeah, and if you so, live by yourself, it's also a standard of like cleanliness is godliness. Like you just feel better when you're in a clean space. It brings your consciousness up, like you were saying, consciousness. So even if you don't want to vacuum, like you really don't want to be to clean, it's good to be in a clean environment for for you, for your consciousness, for Krishna, and for everybody else around. Because you never know where you're going to have unexpected visitors, right. too. When yeah. some people are just like, hey, they just pop by your house, and you're like, clothes everywhere. <laughs> dirt. <laughs> That's never cool. So you need to, like, you need to back up. That hit. Some more. Some more. Some more. Jesus. You started right. laughing a little too loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. First of all, thank you for all of the things you said. So many beautiful things came out of such a simple little card. Justin, that's something to add. Um, I would also say you could look at it as everything is a test no matter how mundane it is whenever it comes up in life I mean like because vacuuming the, <laughs> the house when you don't want to because I'd be the first to agree with that statement <laughs> um, but if you want to look at it in the sense of you know worshipping something greater than yourself if his love is actually so unconditional for you that's impossible for us to even fathom. If there's any benefit that comes to your well-being from vacuuming, why the heck aren't you vacuuming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, we feel uninspired and discouraged and dry in life when we don't seek opportunities to express our love. And we forget that actually every moment is an opportunity to express our love. Even vacuuming, we can express our love for the people we live with or for Krishna because 
George said, cleanliness is next to godliness. Srila Prabhupada said, no, cleanliness is godliness. Mm. So that purity, right, is important, and it does, like like you said, and do it affects our consciousness. Can can vacuuming in the right mood be equivalent to a round of job? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you for asking that because it brings me to a final point, which is that um, we have this practice of chanting, sometimes singing the holy names of God. And this is so powerful, and it's a way we've been talking about love. It's a way that we can develop our love for God. Um, and when we feel like we're missing love, we can chant, and God is the source of all love. And God is non-different from his names. Do you see the connection? So he's the source of all love, and he's non-different from his names. When we're chanting these names, we're there in the presence of God. It's a little bit hard to understand because we live in this relative world where the word is not the same as the thing. Have you ever seen that this is not a pipe thing? Anyways, um, the word is not the same as the thing. If I'm thirsty, I can't say water, 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 and be satisfied. But on the spiritual platform, the spiritual platform is absolute. The name is the same as the person. So if I'm spiritually thirsty and I say Krishna, 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 I can be satisfied. And I'm sure you guys have had some experience with kirtan, how uplifting it is. You feel you can't quite put your finger on it, but you know it's different than just words. You couldn't just say any word for that long over and over and over again and be so engaged and happy. Um, so this chanting is really powerful because we are in the presence of God when we're chanting. We can get all the love we need from the chanting. The sage in, in Vrindavan was fasting and like barely ate. And Indrajima Maharaj, one of our leaders of our movement, um, said, how do you just not eat, but you're here, you're fine, you're chanting. And the sage said, all the vitamins are in the holy name. <laughs> Um, so like that, everything comes from Krishna. Krishna is in his names, all his full potency is there in the names. And then this last picture I brought, this is in the center of the picture, is a personality called Lord Chaitanya. Krishna came to this earth 5,000 years ago in a place called Vrindavan, which is why that's a holy place of pilgrimage for us. And he came to attract people, because Krishna is all attractive, and to show the lost souls how blissful it can be in union with him. But he didn't teach how to become a devotee of himself. So then 500 years ago, he realized, I went um, to attract people, but I didn't actually give them the process. And so he came again as Lord Chaitanya. So Lord Chaitanya is non-different from Krishna. And I'll read you one quick verse about Lord Chaitanya, he's the most, he's called the most merciful incarnation of Krishna. Um, so this verse says, not considering who asked for it and who didn't, or who was fit and who was unfit to receive it, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu distributed the fruit of devotional service freely. And so, you know, sometimes in Krishna consciousness, we feel like, oh, I have to be so qualified and do all these things, and we do. You know, like I said, we should purify ourselves. But also, Lord Chaitanya's mood when he came to give Krishna consciousness and love of Godhead was, it's for everybody. He distributed it freely. And this is why before we chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, we chant um, one prayer that I'll say really quickly. If you know it, you can join along. It's Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gaurabhakta Vila 
So that's giving respect to a Lord Chaitanya, so there you go. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I will honor some Prashadam and express love to everyone by eating. <laughs>